0: And because we knew it was 0.5 solar mass at such distance, if it was a star, it should have emitted Enos light uh, to be seen. But because they didn't see it, that implies that the lens is actually uh, a a white dwarf.
1: Have you ever wondered what it's like to discover a brand new world? In the last three decades, we've found over 5,000 planets outside our solar system, called exoplanets. I'm Dr. Jessie Christensen, the lead scientist at the NASA Exoplanet Archive. This is Explore Exoplanets, The Discoverers, a series where I interview the brilliant minds behind the discovery of brand new planets. So today, I'm very excited to have with us our very own Dr. Etienne Bachelet. Hi, Etienne, how are you?
0: Hello, Jesse. I'm good. What about you?
1: (laughs) I am tired. As I said, I was watching a TV marathon last night that went too late, but I'm going to bring the energy today because I'm excited about this. Uh, So let's start finding out about how you found your first exoplanet. Where are you physically right now?
0: Uh, so right now I'm in uh, Pasadena at my home and uh, I'm working, I just joined actually IPAC uh, 1st January of this year as an associate researcher.
1: Yes, um, we're very happy to have you. Uh, wh- what brought you to this point in your career? What did you do before that?
0: Okay, so before I spent almost uh, six years um, close to here at Las Combes Observatory in uh, Santa Barbara, uh, working on, on Exoplanet with uh, Dr. Rachel Street in the middle I also work one year at the Institute of Astrophysics of Paris uh, in 2022 uh, and prior to LCO actually I spent one year uh, as a postdoc in Qatar Doha, working on exoplanets still. and wow. uh, be- before that I get my PhD from uh, Toulouse University uh, working on uh, micro
1: exoplanets all right so I have two questions about your transition from your early career to your late career first As a Frenchman, how do you feel about living in the U.S.?
0: Uh, It's interesting because uh, um, it shows you how people live uh, in another country. So it's uh, always informative and you have a different point of view of what you see from the U.S. from France. So it's it's definitely interesting. Of course, you also have sometimes the country sickness, but it's it's still very good here. So that's fine.
1: Yeah, no, that's a really good point. So I'm from Australia originally, and now I've been in the US for 15 years. And and those two things you said, the like lens that you get to see your home country with after you've lived somewhere else is so different and, and nuanced and interesting. And also, I definitely do get homesick a lot. Um, <laughs> all right, and the second question about the transition from the start of your career to now is, when you were a student back in France, did you ever think that you would discover your own exoplanet?
0: Uh, actually, uh, no. Uh but uh I when when I decided at the end of my master degree to move on in into this uh research topic of uh I, it was almost in the area of Kepler, etc. Um Kepler was just launched, so exoplanet really become a, a very hot topic.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh
0: my PhD advisor, Pascal Fouquet, uh present me a a, a, a stage uh uh you know um. Uh, about micro and he was telling me it's a bit an exotic technique, but uh, it's very complementary to transit and radial velocity. So if you want uh, to to try something new, you're welcome to join me. And I decided to go this way because I found that interesting. And and actually, uh, after the stage, I get uh, a PhD with him and and I, I Almost uh, start to work on a, on my first exoplanet actually, so that was very very interesting.
1: Well, this is this is really great because uh, we've talked about transits and we've talked about radial velocities, but we haven't talked about microlensing yet. So, can you give us a one minute description of what microlensing technique is and how it finds planets?
0: So, uh, microlensing is a form of gravitational lensing, and it, it's a phenomena um, actually. Uh, 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 predicted by uh, General Relativity, that states that uh, if a body crosses the line of sight between a distant source and an, observat- an observer, uh, if the alignment is sufficiently small between the three body, then the gravitational field of the, the middle body, yeah, exactly, going to bend the light coming from the source and create several images of this source. And actually, when this phenomena occurs, uh, what we see is a brightening of the source, so the so source gets brighter and brighter. Sure. So now, in microlensing generally, our uh, lens are a uh, uh, typical star and dwarf star, generally. But if this uh, lens has a planet in orbit around it, then the planet itself can act as a small lens and create its own brightening and uh because the planet mass is uh, very low compared to the planet uh, to the star mass the, the 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 duration of the brightening is very short. It's about one day or two. But still, if you observe uh, the brightening of the source uh, with high cadence, then you can catch this kind of uh, extra brightening due to the planet. and actually this is what we are
1: uh, for. So when you got your first data set, did they know there were microlensing events in it or was your job to find them?
0: No, actually, uh, so I, I was working on an, on a separate object and then, uh, this, it was microlensing, but I was doing a, a different study. It was about a galactic extension, but anyway, uh, and then this event was observed during the summer before I start uh, my PhD by my, uh, follow up team at the time, which was called uh, planet. And, uh, it turned up that the planet collaboration gets a lot of data on the anomaly due to the planets. And so it, uh, since I was starting my PhD, um, my advisor and my, uh, collaboration head say, okay, you, you can, you can start the analysis on this micro event. And I already knew it was a planet because there was some, um, uh, you know, like of real time models. But I still do have to do all the photometry and data reductions and then the complete modeling, etc. So I knew it was a planet, but to know exactly what kind of planet it was, um, was a very long process. And actually it was even longer than just the first paper, because when we publish. Uh, the, the this planet, we knew it was a kind of Jupiter-mass planet, mm-hmm. but we didn't know exactly what was the host type.
1: Oh, and now, so for most microlensing events, I'll tell people who are listening, you don't really know what the host star is like. You kind of guess that most of the time it's an m-dwarf. So you did find out in this case what the host star was? Yeah,
0: actually, uh, we, we measure the mass uh, kind of uh, about 0.5 solar mass at the time being. But yeah, it could be, uh, like a named dwarf, as you say, or it could be also a white dwarf, actually. So the, the sun is going to end up like this, actually. Yes. Um, so
1: let's come back to white dwarfs in a minute, because I know we're going to get there and I want to talk about okay. white dwarfs. Um, so, so that was your first planet. Someone handed you a data set with a planet in it. I mean, you are the luckiest student ever. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. how many, how many planets have you discovered now? Uh,
0: well. Actually, microlensing is very a uh, team team effort. So mm-hmm. uh, we are a s- lot of teams that observe the same object because we need to cover you know the transient uh, event as much as possible. So by my work of observing and data reduction, I probably participate to dozens of planet detections.
1: Ah, that's as- so exciting! Yeah microlensing only just recently cracked a hundred planets having been found with the microlensing techniques so here at the NASA Exoplanet Archive we had a little celebration like happy microlensing day we hit a hundred planets
0: yeah
1: yeah yeah okay so let's talk about white dwarfs Uh, so You might know that at the end of the sun's life when it runs out of hydrogen and helium in the center it's going to puff off its outer layers into a beautiful planetary nebula hopefully beautiful that'd be nice if we left behind a beautiful one uh and leave behind uh, a white dwarf a little like cooling chunk of carbon and oxygen um so etienne tell us about your favorite real planet that really exists
0: uh, well, actually, it's uh, the first one I made during my PhD because, I, as I was saying before, uh, when we published, we found it was a Jupiter mass around an object of 0.5 solar mass, but we didn't know the exact nature of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it turns out that some uh, extra study uh, done several years after using the Keck observatory uh, observed this, uh, the, the location of this microlensing event and couldn't find any light coming uh, from the, the host, from the lens. And and because we knew it was 0.5 solar mass at such distance,
1: see, if it I was see. a
0: star, it should have emitted Enos light uh, to be seen. But because they didn't see it, that implies that the lens is actually uh, a, a white dwarf.
1: Yeah. No, that's really interesting. And, you know, I like the fact that there was a different type of observation you could make years later to to break this degeneracy. Was it a half mass main sequence star? Sorry. Was it a half solar mass main sequence star or a half solar mass white dwarf? And there was a way to discriminate against that later with a different telescope. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. Okay. Do you remember the telephone number of your first planet, your favorite real planet?
0: You mean the name?
1: Yes, they're, the microlensing names, I'm just going to say, are the actual worst. But uh, tell us what the name of your favorite real planet is.
0: I agree, but I still remember the name of this one. It's more <laughs> 2010 BLG477LB.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Uh, there'll agree. be a quiz. Everyone will have to say that again later. Um, okay, so that's your favorite real planet. Now tell us about your favorite fictional planet.
0: Yes, so... I. I was thinking about it, but I think the, the, the one that come directly in my mind is Tatooine.
1: All right, we're going to talk more about Tatooine in a bit. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter to find out more about Etienne's favorite fictional planet, Tatooine, and its real-world counterpart in the NASA Exoplanet Archive. Thanks, folks.
0: Thank you.